the Daily Rios for March 5th, 2013. It's another Timeline Tuesday, taking a look at comic book releases, anniversaries, birthdays, etc., all in the month of March. These aren't cover dates, these are actual release dates, as best as, as, best as I'm able to cross-reference. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty more out there than the ones that I pick, but these were the ones that stood out to me, or they were the ones that I had some personal info on. So, we start with our big anniversaries 10 years ago, 25 years ago, and 50 years ago. What was going on in the month of March in those big anniversaries? Well, in March 2003, we had a few uh, things that were being canceled or, or ending. We had Azrael 100. That's a DC title. Uh, 11 years, give or take, after his creation. Azrael's uh, solo title comes to an end, as well as that version of the of the character. Uh, Azrael was created by Denny O'Neill and Joe Quesada, and this issue, issue 100, is by Denny O'Neill and Sergio Cariello, uh, who you might know from the Lone Ranger series from Dynamite, uh, that he would go on to after this series. Uh, to date, I don't believe Azrael has appeared in the new 52. He wasn't exactly a well-liked character, although uh, the miniseries that introduced him, which was called Sword of Azrael, I believe, um, was really hard to find when it came out, and I've never read it. Uh, but that was Denny O'Neill and Joe Quesada, and at the time, those issues were worth, you know, uh, not a lot, but they were worth something. Um, so as I said, he hasn't appeared in the New 52, although you could make a case that Talon is cut from the same cloth in terms of having a character within the Batman universe that's not necessarily a Bat character. Uh, so he's, uh, you know, in the, the whole Batman family, um, especially because he has ties to a larger organization that Batman once fought, right? With Talon, you had the uh, Court of Owls, and with uh, Azrael, you had the Order of St. Dumas. So, um, those two characters, Talon, when they were announced that Talon was going to have his own book, have his own book, I thought, well, you know, it's kind of like an Azrael character, Azrael type. Um, the other series that ended in March of 2003 is Supergirl, Supergirl 80. This is the Peter David run, the Supergirl that was the Earth Angel uh, this last story arc, which was called Many Happy Returns, was drawn by Ed Bennis, who would eventually go on to uh, Birds of Prey. Um, this title ended, and then Peter David took the character, took this Supergirl, Linda Danvers, and uh, without saying it was her, morphed it into the Fallen Angel book that came out from DC, and then eventually went to IDW. Now, obviously, once it went to IDW, it was no longer Linda Danvers, um, but it was highly hinted at, and eventually, uh, Peter David more or less just said, yes, Fallen Angel was about Linda Danvers, the or that, that Supergirl that existed post-crisis. Um, this conclusion, uh, just like I was talking about with Sword of Azrael, the miniseries that, that introduced Azrael to the DC Universe, this story arc, Many Happy Returns, was also 
kind of hard to find. Uh, it was the end of the title. It had low print runs, but because it introduced, or I should say reintroduced, and brought in as a guest star the Silver Age pre-crisis Kara Zor-El, the original Supergirl, uh, because they brought her back and because of the nature of the, the storyline and, and it being wrapped up, it was really hard to find. And, and some of those issues were, again, worth a little bit more than usual. Uh, a collection of the story arc was rushed soon after. That's how I read it. Uh, and another interesting to note is that it has this issue, Supergirl 80, has a John Romita cover. And I'm talking about Senior with uh, Jose Marzan on inks. Uh, she's holding a flag. She's in the costume that was made popular in her animated version look. Um, I kind of wonder why they picked John Romita. You know, I thought maybe it was, an, it was an homage to a Captain America cover, but I looked at several of John Romita's Captain America covers, and I couldn't find one that, that really matched this. Um, so John Romita doing a DC cover. This is like ultra, ultra, ultra rare that John Romita would be doing uh, DC work. I'm talking really rare. Um, much in the same way that Kurt Swan only did maybe a handful of Marvel things um, at the most. I think he did an entry in the Ohatmu thing for Gladiator, for the Imperial Guard character known as Gladiator, obviously because he's a Superman riff, and Kurt Swan drew that in the uh, deluxe version the second volume of Ohatmu. So, yeah, John Romita cover on a DC book. Really interesting. Also, ten years ago, we had Zatanna Everyday Magic, which was a one-shot from Vertigo by Paul Dini and Rick Mays, also featuring John Constantine under a Brian Bolin cover. Probably most known for the fact that uh, Brian Bolin put thigh-high leather boots on her, and that was kind of like the talk of the town when that image came out. But it is a pretty cool book, so uh, you can try and look for that. And then, finally, 10 years ago, Fantastic Four 67. This is Mark Wade and the late Mike Waringo. And this is the prologue to the unthinkable storyline, you know, because even back then, Mark Wade was playing around with prefixes. Uh, this is the storyline where Dr. Doom, and the, in this issue, where he sacrifices uh, the love of his young life, Valeria, in order to gain enough magics to battle the Fantastic Four. I remember picking it up. It was made out to be a big deal, a big deal that he was going to do something that he hadn't done before, um, and we assumed it was dabble in magic. Uh, he got a new temporary costume. Um, he went after the Fantastic Four kids, Franklin and Valeria, and he went after the, the Fantastic Four pretty hard, and then this story would lead into two other stories that kind of wrapped up this uh, little thing, that this, this sort of, I don't know, thematic thing that Mark Wade was playing around with at the time. So, uh, unthinkable, 10 years ago, and uh, it was pretty good. I liked it. I actually picked it up. I wasn't the biggest fan of Michael Ringo's artwork. I didn't dislike it, but uh, I was. it was worth it to pick up for the story just to see what Mark Wade was going to do with Doctor Doom. All right, now we jump to 25 years ago, March of 1988. The first issue of Manhunter came out, a series I just never read. Uh, this is by John Ostrander and Kim Yale, who were a writing couple. They may have even been married, uh, and artist Doug Rice. Uh, this takes place after Millennium, 
and it features the character known as Mark Shaw, who was in uh, Justice League of America, and uh, I believe was uh, originally in a Jack Kirby Manhunter series in the 70s, and uh, he kind of played around the DC Universe uh, for a number of decades, actually. Um, this version of Manhunter, Mark Shaw, eventually would also appear in the Kate Spencer Manhunter series of the early 2000s, where it was revealed that he had a uh, an arch enemy in, in this 80s Manhunter series called Dumas. And it was revealed later in the Kate Spencer Manhunter series that Dumas was actually Mark Shaw. It was himself. Um, now, I'm pretty sure that happened in the Kate Spencer Man Manhunter series. If that was revealed earlier, I don't know. But they made a big deal of it in the Kate Spencer series, so I assumed that that was the first time we were given that knowledge. Um, speaking of Asriel, like we were early on, it's kind of interesting that, okay, so the character, the archenemy is called Dumas. Asriel is wrapped up into an organization called the Order of St. Dumas, and in the Kate Spencer Manhunter series, once Mark Shaw, because his brain was all kind of fuddled, um, once he got his, you know, his wits about him, he was approached by the Order of the St. Dumas to become the new Asriel. Uh, but they, he, he decided to turn it down. So, uh, yeah, kind of interesting that uh, that little connection was being made. Also, 25 years ago, Mark Runewald and Herb Trimp's The Draft, taking place in the new universe, universe after the one-shot called The Pit had destroyed Pittsburgh, then came about uh, this one-shot called The Draft, or miniseries called The Draft. Um, I don't know if this was if there was a war that was going on. I didn't read much further than The Pit, so I don't know what that one was about, but I thought I'd mention it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Marvel miniseries in the 80s, and here's one that I didn't know about. Uh, Black Panther. There was a Black Panther four-issue miniseries by Peter Gillis and Dennis Cowan, who uh, was also working on The Question at the time. So I don't know. I don't know what that's about, and I'm kind of curious to pick it up because, uh, like I said, I'm a, I liked a lot of those four-issue miniseries, six-issue miniseries that Marvel put out at the time, and here's one that I hadn't read. Uh, also, another miniseries, this one, a six-issue miniseries by Bob Harris and Paul Neary, Nick Fury vs. S.H.I.E.L.D. number one came out in March of 1988. Uh, and from D.C., there was a four-issue Power Girl miniseries. I had never read this one either. Paul Kupperberg and Rip, Rick Hoberg on that. Uh, now, the biggie for 25 years ago, two of them, they're kind of connected, Batgirl special, a Batgirl special. Uh, called The Last Batgirl Story by Barbara Randall, who was also known as Barbara Kissel, artist Barry Kitson. Uh, this was supposed to take place, I assume, after the crisis, and uh, in it there's a... I mean, I, I didn't read it, I just read a blurb of it, and it, it seems high... <laughs> it seems really convoluted and, and just crazy. But apparently some girl named Marcy was around with Barbara Gordon, and they came up with Batgirl together, and then Barbara became Batgirl, and then there's this crazy st story about a killer going after Batgirl, and by the end of this special, uh, Barbara Gordon gives the costume to Marcy. I don't know if that meant they were trying to say that they were going to come up with a new Batgirl. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure it's canon, but the special was created because a week later was the release of... Batman the Killing Joke. And if you know what that story is about, 
That's uh, Alan Moore with Brian Bolin doing the interiors uh, in a story that Alan Moore has been quoted uh, saying, I don't think it's a very good book. It's not saying anything very interesting. He even called it the worst story he ever wrote or something like that. Anyway, um, Batman the Killing Joke uh, that crippled the character of Barbara Gordon and uh, the Batgirl special uh, probably was ordered to be sort of like her swan song because they knew what was coming up with Batman the Killing Joke. And apparently, from what I can tell, uh, the Batgirl special came out, and then a week later, uh, Batman the Killing Joke came out. So that was like a one-two punch right there. Um, I read that John Ostrander and Kim Yale uh, didn't really necessarily like what happened to Barbara in The Killing Joke, so that's why they went about uh, in creating the Oracle um, identity for her in Suicide Squad in somewhere in the mid-20s. So if you didn't know that, um, yeah, Oracle first appeared in the Suicide Squad series around the mid-20s, um, the Suicide Squad series that took place in the 80s. So there's that little bit of history. All right, then we go to 50 years ago, March of 1963. Just a bunch of fun things here. Action 300 came out. Fantastic Four 15 came out 50 years ago, which features the first appearance of Mad Thinker and his awesome android, because he's awesome. Uh, Adventure Comics 308, first appearance of Lightning Lass, uh, the twin sister to Lightning Lad. Tales to Astonish 44 features the first appearance of The Wasp, uh, 50 years old. Uh, and then, uh, 50 years ago, Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, number one, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, first appearance of Nick Fury and his Howling Commandos, uh, just in time for his 50th anniversary, and he's no longer around, uh, he's been replaced. So, happy anniversary, Nick Fury. Alright, let's look at a couple other dates. These don't have any necessarily, uh, they don't have any like sort of major anniversaries, but just some things that I thought were interesting. Uh, March 2nd of 2001, the JLA Avengers crossover was officially announced at Megacon in Orlando. We would eventually get that four-issue miniseries by Kurt Busiek and George Perez. March 2nd or 3rd, I'm not sure I've seen confl conflicting reports, of 1945, the radio program Adventures of Superman puts Superman and Batman and Robin together for the first time. That was the, uh, when they actually met for the first time, I think, before comics even. I think. I could be wrong, but I think. I think they first appeared. They used to appear on the covers of World Finest Comics, but I'm not necessarily sure if they ever appeared inside before the radio program. So someone can correct me on that if I'm wrong. Uh, March 5th, 1977... Judge Dredd makes his first appearance in 2000 AD Prague 2. And then we have March 10th, 1983, saw the release of Omega Men issue number 3. Why is this important? Because it's the first appearance of Lobo. Lobo, 30 years old in uh, March of 2013. Uh, March 10th, 1999, was the release of... Uh, release of uh, Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch's Authority Number no. One, uh, doing a lot to influence comics after that. March 16th, 1952, here's an odd factoid. Uh, Harlan Ellison sells his first comic story called Upheaval to Bill Gaines at EC Comics for Weird Science Fantasy. 
March 18th, 1998, the Cliffhanger line is launched, uh, I believe through Image, uh, with Danger Girl number one, J. Scott Campbell's Danger Girl. And then March 30th, 2005, DC Countdown to Infinite Crisis, 80-page giant hits the stands, featuring the death of Ted Cord. Both shocking and invigorating their line for the next year leading up to Infinite Crisis, uh, a controversy that is still to this day raging about the death of Ted Cord, and yet it set DC on fire. And if you were on the convention circuit in 2005, it really was DC, DC's year that year. Some people think we it was a downturn from there. Other people think of it as DC's sort of reemergence, and uh, that's exactly what it was. So that was uh, March 30th, 2005, that group, uh, issue was released. All right, there's your timeline Tuesday for the month of March. If there's anything I missed, let me know. Uh, any corrections, let me know. Uh, otherwise, I will see you tomorrow for New Comics Wednesday.